0: Welcome to Wilderness Outreach ManCast. My name is John. I'm here with my brothers Peter and James. ManCast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and your backpack, grab your compass, and your map, and let's get rolling.
1: All right, another week. We've we've made it. What's
2: going on, fellas?
1: This is another great. This is going to be a great one too because I'm excited. I know you guys are excited about being proactive. Yeah. First habit. So they let's call go me ahead and proactive. proactive. Is that what they call you? Proactive, <laughs> no. Pete. I didn't know that. <laughs> 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 well, let's go ahead and get started with the prayer. I'm going to use uh, one of my favorites as usual blessed pierre giorgio Fr- Frasati's prayer for the courage to be great in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen heavenly father give me the courage to strive for the highest goals to flee every temptation to be mediocre enable me to aspire to greatness as pierre giorgio did and to open my heart with joy to your call to holiness free me from the fear of failure I want to be Lord firmly and forever united to you. Grant me the graces I ask you through Pierre Giorgio's intercession by the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen.
2: All right. Well, fellas, let's start with uh, you, John. What is, what is being proactive? What is that?
0: Yeah, that's uh Yes, yeah, he's just kind of following in behind uh, uh with Blessed Pierre Giorgio I uh I've got a uh I'll take take off on that a little bit. I think this is kind of at the key of being proactive. Uh, and he says um In this trying time, we Catholics have a serious duty to fulfill our self-formation. So at the heart of proactivity is we have to take action doing what's right, discovering what's the right thing to do and then doing what's right. So, and I think that that's really, for me, that's, you know, proactivity is is huge because it's like I'm in charge. And if my life's miserable, I've only got one place to look. And there's only one guy in the, in that, in the, well, one guy, as far as a human creature is concerned, that can help me to, to, to do anything about it. And uh, of course, our Lord is the, the big factor in my life, but I have to be able to turn towards him and, and then really work on who I am and who I need to be. So it really, productivity is about personal responsibility to the max you know we'll we'll talk later i'm sure about the, a book called extreme ownership which is that same idea that like you know if i'm unhappy if i don't like where i am in life if things are happening to me in my life that seem out of my control all of that lies on my shoulders and i got to i got to step up and do something about it what's kind of interesting about it is that it's so opposite of what we call the woke culture today the anthem of the woke culture right which is victim mentality it's like no you're 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 just a victim of all these circumstances in your life from all the forces of power that exist out there and you don't have any control over it you're either a victim or you're a perpetrator uh you're because of forces outside of ourselves that have nothing to do with us. And it's just such a false narrative. It's such a false way of being. And it's actually that proactivity is the key. It's the antidote to the problems of the world today. I think if, if, if I would say let's teach one thing in, in school to all kids from the time they're old enough to read and write, clear through the highest level of college, it's like you're in charge. You need to figure out what the right thing to do is and do it and get after it. And so, yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what proactivity is to me just taking taking charge and taking taking responsibility for everything in your life and moving forward.
2: That's awesome. I like how you brought uh, Pierre Ger- and Giorgio into it right after that prayer. That lined up well. That's why you ended up doing the prayer jam. Yeah, it is because
1: right before we had decided that you were going to do the prayer, Pete, but then, no, then I don't know, switched around. And the Holy Spirit just uh, <laughs> makes things happen. I like oh, what yeah. you said, John, about the uh, about teaching kids, you know, in schools and all that about you know taking charge, taking responsibility. I think that's that's a huge problem that we have today is no one wants to take responsibility for themselves for their actions um, for anything you know they want to blame everybody and that's what I always try to teach my kids is you know they were always you know this you know Anthony did this or William did this or or whatever and I'm like no it's not their fault just stop blaming and and get it done you know do it do it because it's supposed to be done I can't blame everybody for everything so I like that. I think that's definitely something that needs to be taught. Mm-hmm. I guess kind I, of a, uh,
2: No, go ahead.
0: Oh, i just gonna say it's like tough love, right? It's it's, mm-hmm. but it's a good tough love, yeah.
2: Well, if we don't have that, then the only other option is victimhood, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And I'm
1: kind of along the same lines, John, is, you know, my idea of being a proactive person is, um, you know, having control of yourself, you know, being able to to pause and make those, you know, those decisions. You know, it's a big thing in Covey's book is about that pause, that ability to to stop. You know, I was just watching a video earlier today about a guy was saying, you know, we're not machines. We're not just programmed to react and just do the same thing over and over. No matter what happens, we have that ability to choose our response. And that's what I love about the about this habit is that's what it's about. It's about being able to choose the response. And he has a great quote in the book from Victor Frankl. It says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I love that. Just that we have that ability, that's kind of where free will jumps in there, that we have that ability to stop and say, Okay, how am I going to respond to this? Mm. Right, somebody calls right. me a name, somebody cuts me off as I'm driving to work, you know, somebody says something mean on the internet or whatever. I have that ability as a human being to to pause, to stop, say, mm. okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond to this? I'm not just going to instantly react. Mm. So that's why I, I really like about this this being proactive, and so that's what I try to teach my kids. And I taught this, these seven habits. Um, and you, I had you come to one of my classes, John, we talked about, uh, I think we did first things first with when you were there, but, and I taught that class and about, it's all about pushing pause. You know, you see the little pause button on your, um, I'm old. So VCR or, (laughs) uh, probably, I think they still have pause like on Netflix and things like that nowadays, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) now they got rid of that. Did they? You got to just watch right through it. So we'll get you updated. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So hitting pause. And one of the things I like to do whenever I teach the habits is give the kids a a little way to remember uh, the habit, a little, a little tool to help them remember that habit. And for this habit, I always taught them um, U R N. So capital U R N dash and then C T R L. So if you look at your keyboard there's a little button, usually on the lower left-hand side, that's a Ctrl button, and that's the control button. And that's very powerful. If you push that button down and push other keys, it does a whole, it opens up a whole other world of uh, possibilities in the in the keyboard. So I try to teach the kids, and that's a way for them to remember whenever they see that Ctrl, you are in control. So there's that dash in between, that pause. So you don't have to react to everything. You can take a moment. You have that ability, and then act on what you know. What you know, and there's a lot of things that influence how you respond. You know, and that's mm. that's more more in the habit, I guess, is learning how to make good responses <laughs> to the things that happen to you. Mm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of uh, just a play on words there. I I thought I understood that you are in control, but I. I, as I was looking at it, I, I thought earn control, right? Like you have to <laughs> earn true. it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and then I, and then Don know may you could put an L in front of that and it's learn control Yeah, at the same time. So it's a little bit of a play on something the way the mind's treating, but I didn't actually think of you are in control, which is really great. And what a, what a great uh, quote and thought about, uh, you really, made me my my thoughts really moved into that gap that you were talking about with Viktor Frankl to think about the condition that he was in you know in a concentration right. camp where, where it's like he was stripped of like all this humanity except for I have the ability to choose right so he could see so clearly but that idea that there is that space that maybe we have to create but definitely just and embrace it where we don't have to, that pressing of a pause, right? It can make all the difference in the world about what the outcome of a particular event or a thing in our life is, which is, uh, yeah. Kind of going back to, I think what Peter's maybe thinking about, about the mastering of the self perhaps. Right.
2: Yeah. It falls right in line with that. Um, most of, I mean, this habit is, to me, is all self-mastery. I mean, like like Jim was saying, like, you press pause. Well, you have to think about that beforehand. You have to make the choice to say, when something happens, I'm going to do this. And you have to plan that out. So that's, I mean, for the way that this habit works in my life, that's a big part of it. But then also, like... Just uh, like you guys were talking about earlier with dress addressing like more like Covey talks. He has about these quadrants. We'll get into that later, but there's four quadrants and one of them is addressing the things that are not urgent, but are important. So like the things that no one wants to do really or like that are, are very difficult to begin doing, but you can create easy habits out of like exercise or um, eating healthily going to bed early and waking up early, all those things. So, um, yeah, I think that, that that sums up proactivity for me is just addressing the not urgent, but the important. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: And it's definitely a habit that takes practice. All these habits do, but definitely being proactive I think for me, myself, it takes some thought. It takes re- reminding myself to push pause, to, you know, get moving when I need to get moving. So it's, it's something that, it's a habit and that's what we're talking about is habits. And those are things you got to do repeatedly, right? You got to keep working at them. Hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, gosh, you know, it's kind of funny. I've never shared this with you or anybody else. So, uh, but, uh, when i was first studying like the seven habits and then there's some other things like the a book called the fifth discipline but uh, there was five disciplines but with the seven habits i can remember working out and i really wanted to get them burrowed into my brain right so they became like i knew the seven habits right i could just repeat them i could think about them i could just make them part of my whole brain and and the way i was thinking about stuff so i would I would uh, do this like I'd get on the treadmill. Maybe I, you know, hi- I would walk real fast or hike for an hour, right? And I would repeat the seven habits. So I'd start with habit number one. And I'd repeat it in my brain, and then I would think about it and concentrate on. It. Then I'd move to habit number two, and I would just like the, not the whole idea. It's kind of like that. That uh, what is it from? Um, exodus where it says drill drill it into your children right drill these right. truths into your children and it's kind of like i was doing that intentionally trying to get it because i knew it was good stuff i knew we that the, so it's kind of that taking that responsibility then for you know drilling it into my into my brain so that i could start to think like that start to act like the seven habits were calling us to do or are, are calling us to do yeah
1: that's interesting that you use the the exercise as a tool to help drill that into your head I was just listening to a, an excellent podcast by dr. Andrew Huberman and he talks about uh, people ask him what's the best way to remember things and it's he said it's to study something and then spike your adrenaline somehow whether that's a, mm. a workout or something like that and it triggers your body uh, to remember what happened right before that because we're we're trained you know from our basic biology to remember things that get that adrenaline spike so we're on the lookout for it again so by you studying a habit and spiking that it helps seed it into your brain even more so that's pretty cool to hear you say that completely yeah. off tangent but just you know <laughs>
2: hey that's cool i listen to that podcast too i like that a lot yeah, that's, um, yeah he's great those are some long in-depth Oh, yeah. Very very in depth <laughs> podcast about neuro, not, like not neuroscience. Heard of him.
0: Who, is, who is it again?
1: Uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. Huberman. It's mm. the Huberman Lab. He does a great great job. Interesting. Um, with all of his all of his podcasts, but it, it, he's a neuroscientist yeah. and something else, a professor at Stanford. He's he's a really good job. Um, but back to our podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of thinking and being proactive comes also you know thoughts as well as language right how we talk to others how we talk to ourselves so maybe we can take a look at that um
2: yeah um i think hey i think we got a little echo john i don't know if that's you or it's got to be you it's got to be you john but <laughs> <laughs> you're getting blamed regardless <laughs> now but i think our words yeah it's gone now Our words, I think, define us in every sense. I mean, the speech we use is very important um, in the way that we see the world around us and the way that we see others and the way that we see possibilities. If you you, uh, have ever talked to somebody that is not in any kind of control, you know that a lot, like, if you have ever talked to somebody that, you know, is not in control, their language shows that very quickly. Um, And then if you talk to somebody who is in control, who is a a leader and, uh, and just kind of, you know, taking control of things, their language is very different. So like the way we speak um, has a huge impact on everything in our lives. But it plays into this habit, I think, because when we begin to become proactive in all areas of our lives it's I think that's where it starts is with our speech and especially with our self speech and uh like I said, the way we see things, and that was a turning point for me i was I was definitely a victim uh I mean, three years ago, really three and a half years ago, I was a pretty big victim like why is this happening to me? Why do I deserve this? Why am I here? Like, why me? You know? And uh, when I decided that everything was pretty much my fault, that's when things changed. And I decided, I here's this problem. I can do this about it, or I can do that about it. But it's not anything more or less than that. It's something that I get to solve now. Mm. And that all started with my speech, for sure. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, in in Covey's book somewhere, and maybe it's in this chapter on proactivity, but he kind of talks about these a couple of these paradigms. And it it has to do with self-talk again. But the idea that, well, my parents did it to me, right? So it's like, well, they conditioned me to be who I am. And so I can't get outside of that. And, uh, so woe is me. There's nothing I can do about it. Or I could say, he calls that, so your parents did it to you. Or I could say, well, you know, I've got bad genes, you know, my genes just sort of, they're in control of me I can't do anything about my genetic makeup. And I think Covey calls that, well, your grandparents did it to you then. Right. And, uh, yeah. So it's like, yeah.
2: One of the most important ones that you just said was just two words. I can't. Yeah. Just removing that from your vocabulary entirely. You know what I mean? Like it started with the little engine that could and then mm-hmm. went from there.
0: Yeah. 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 That's. uh, Yeah. You know, one I'm, I'm reading another book right now uh, that uh, some of the The seminarians put me on to it's called Difficult Conversations. It's written by three people out of the Harvard, I think it's Harvard Law School. That's kind of this idea about that all conversations, difficult conversations that tend to end up in arguments, have a basic structure to them. And one of the things they talk about, and this is one of those, I, this is a really powerful idea in terms of the self-talk, is that when we get into a situation that we, we'd say, oh, wow, okay, I don't really wanna be in this situation. But one of the things we should be thinking about was how did I contribute to getting into this situation, right? What did I do that got me into this situation? So again, that's that. <laughs> once we start to learn how to use the correct language it's a language of empowerment you know it's not like staring at our belly buttons or anything right trying to figure out what's wrong with us but just like okay what did i do in my life that led me to this point so i need to be able to make a course correction and once we start thinking like that, we start that. There's that self, the, the correct self talk again of taking responsibility, and we can start to you make adjustments in our in our course. Yeah,
1: you and know, I think all self talk, um, but for myself especially, negative self talk and reactive, you know, self talk in my brain has this. Um, I would call it a positive feedback loop and that doesn't sound like the right thing, but when we talk about feedback loops, we're talking about a negative feedback loop is, you know, the temperature in your house gets so high, it kicks the thermostat, which makes the air conditioner come on and lower the temperature and vice versa. Whereas positive feedback loop is almost like, uh, you're echoing on the the microphone through the speaker and it gets just so much, it just keeps amplifying and getting worse and worse and worse. And so I notice a lot of times with myself that when I'm, have this, these negative thoughts that they start to snowball and things just Mm. get worse and worse and worse. And the more I talk to myself, the more that snowball just keeps rolling and getting bigger. And so I I think that you can also do that uh, the other way with a, with positive, not just positive self-talk, but being proactive, but by pushing pause in those thoughts, again, hitting that pause button and saying, you know, why am I thinking like this? What Mm. caused this? kind of tracing back my, my train of thought and say, what, what triggered this and how did I get here? And Mm -hmm. usually I can see that it was just something ridiculous and I can kind of pause it there and and move on with, you know, some proactive positive thoughts and things like that. But it's, it is important. I mean, how we speak to ourselves, how we speak to others, that's, you know, it's, it's how we communicate ideas for good or for bad. And I think that they can be infectious, um, You know, I used to work with a guy who every time we'd have a meeting, he was just negative Nancy. I mean, everything. He could not find a positive thing about anything we were doing, any part of the work, anything that we were asked to do. And it just you could feel the whole room just kind of get heavy and weighed down. He just hated to be in there with that. So I think, you know, we're, we're called to be salt and light. So I think, you know, having that proactive, you know, trying to be positive, trying to look for opportunities. You know, that's, that's proactivity. You know, like you said, John, that's that's changing the scenario, making like you said last week, making it into a game, even though it might seem like a, a tough situation at that point, you know, looking for the silver lining in each of those situations. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 amazing to think
0: about that, uh, that same situation uh, so back in my mid30s when I really started to make a turn towards proactivity uh, I was listening to some uh, some some folks uh, I think one guy may, may have been Brian Tracy and uh, anyway uh, one of the things that he said is you need to start thinking about what you're thinking about and when I first thought of that I mean that's kind of a brain twister <laughs> isn't it it's right. like, Think about what you're thinking about. Well, how do how do you do that, right? So, but uh, but the, the point was is that we need to intentionally control the quality of our thoughts so that it's it's starting to aid in the turnaround in our life where it's we're starting to to have more we're starting to have better outcomes in our life, right? So we have to it has to start with that thought process that that intentional thought process. And I and and one of the one of the um, exercises he gave was well as you're going through the day like if you're driving somewhere all of a sudden think okay what have I been thinking about in the past five minutes or the past ten minutes and start analyzing right. right and it was like when I started doing that I was bored with what. I was thinking about it, it was like right. <laughs> nonsense, it was violence. It was, it was stupid stuff. It was just like chaos and, you know, all the bad things. And it was just, it was, there's this natural, it's like this flywheel of negativity that's just churning there. Right. And it's like, I started, I, I was stunned. I was like, wow, that's going on all the time in the background of my thoughts and it's controlling where I'm going and how I'm thinking and feeling at all times. Right. And it's like so the concept then became, well, you got to like grab hold of that flywheel and you got to start reprogramming it with your own virtuous thought cycles. Right. So we can start to move ourselves in a so because our thought processes end up aiding in our process of moving forward with the physical, the spiritual, and the intellectual, right, so we can start moving in the right direction, so a really difficult thing, but what a powerful idea, right, so starting with that idea of start thinking about what you're thinking about, and then start to reprogram your whole thought process, you know, right at the heart of proactivity, and this whole concept of language, and how we're going to use language to aid
1: that, yeah, it's interesting. You you bring that up about all the thoughts that just come into your head and you're like, where did that come from? And when you start thinking about what you were thinking about, it's like, who is this? Who is this person having, having these thoughts? <laughs> in our And in our boys the other night, we were having a conversation about that, about intrusive thoughts, about how you just have these completely wild, off the wall thoughts Crazy. every once in a while. If you can't, stop those and control those that can get like you said that's a flywheel it can get to be a problem uh but i and i was as you were saying that i thought you know that's kind of the beauty of having a prayer life you know starting first thing in the morning mm. with the liturgy of the hours or there the rosary you're conditioning you're getting your i mean you're having a conversation with the lord but you're also getting your brain on track and the right thought process you're getting those that neuro circuitry to think about the lord and about his plan and about what he wants you to do and and those types of things and that's that to me that's the beauty of starting the day that way and it kind of ties into this Yep.
2: yeah and it also gives you it offers somewhere to take those thoughts you know what i mean because you said Mm -hmm. if you can't control those thoughts i don't even try to to be honest like i'm I'm just like yeah, all right holy spirit this is This is on 10, dude. (laughs) I don't know where this is coming from, dude. But like you said, it all starts with being grounded in that. You know what I mean? At the beginning of the day, where are you going? Where are you going to take all of your things to that you don't know how to deal with? Like, where are they going to go? Obviously, not to. I mean, maybe we try to take them to other humans, but that doesn't work very well for a lot of us a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it works sometimes for some people, but I think being grounded in that in our faith is just so important to be able to have that, that firepower, dude. I mean, like we're in a battle, right? Like if you don't have that, it's easy to let those get, just wrap you up, take you away real quick. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's just a regular habit of praying each, each morning and, and reading
1: and, you know, reading the saints and stuff like that. And you, for whatever reason, Skip a day. I know if if it's for me, something happens and I just, you know, I'm not doing this. That's a nightmare of a day. I mean, I tell you every single time it's a nightmare of a day. (laughs) And when I go to confession, it's always (laughs) I did this. I did this. And I know that it ties back because I neglected my prayer life, you Mm -hmm. know, and it just. It spawns from there,
2: so I find that it's, it's yeah, important. it's like no, I'm gonna sleep for 20 more minutes and screw up everything the next 12, <laughs> 16 <laughs> hours. <laughs> third, <laughs> screw them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like 20 minutes. It wasn't worth it, man. Every time, but, yeah, yeah. Mm. I catch myself so, there frequently. Mm. It's amazing
0: how all these all the good stuff ties together in this core of common meaning. You know, if as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about this other uh guy that really is helping in fact uh father han introduced uh, me and some of the seminarians to uh a man who has this process called optimal work or optimum work and uh in that process he he's hitting right on what we're talking about there so like with pete he like he 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 wants you in this optimal work process he wants you to become mindful of what's going on in your in your life and in your mind right and so these crazy influences these crazy thoughts right he has you kind of observe them enter into you into your your consciousness and then you just kind of say okay i see you're there now you're dismissed yeah it's kind of almost like an active dismissal of the chaotic thinking, right? Because I'm going mm-hmm. to be focused on the right stuff, and and since he's a you know he's a, a Orthodox Catholic man, he's grounded in the whole idea of prayer at the same time. But that 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 those those two things that you know that the power of prayer of ordering, you know, even to say, dear Lord. Order my thinking today. Just such a a simple prayer as that, dear Lord. Please order my thinking in accordance with with the work that you want me to do today. Right? Something such a simple prayer can be so effective. Yeah. And or, ordering our brain and helping to mold our our neurocircuitry, even right on that on that level. So yeah, good stuff.
2: Yeah, it's funny. It's good we to hear you
1: guys say that.
2: Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, but one other thing that I found is like, dude, like you get all once you start asking for help, things change tremendously. It's like, okay, the Holy Spirit lives in us and we you know, we're told that and whatever, but like once you actually try it, it's a game changer. Oh it's yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. So pretty much I I mean, would you guys agree that our words define us and they offer pretty much ownership or excuses? to our entire lives. And that's a good base for proactivity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great place to start for anybody
1: who's just getting into these habits is, you know, I think he even has a 30 day challenge in the end of that chapter, you know, to get people to do exactly what we're talking about. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about your language, what the things you are saying, are you, you know, I can't do this or I see an opportunity in this, or my, this happened to me or, or, know i'm taking responsibility you know and i think that's a great place to start with this habit is just working on the language and the thoughts
0: yeah i see i see our brother michael Pavey out there from indianapolis he's got yeah that's the optimal work uh the optimal work link you're wanting michael good stuff that's it's uh well worth it i'm i'm been working on going through my second time now so yeah good to see you out there brother yeah it's um Yeah, I think it is the beginning. So it's like in some of these, uh, like uh, I was thinking of, you know, event, an event happens in our life. If we add then a response to that event equals another outcome and that whole idea of pressing pause. Okay, an event just happened right now, right? And if it's something that's coming right at us, it's like typically we would just respond like from the gut or from fear or from pride or from whatever, but that whole idea of slowing our thought process down. So we say, okay, I see what just happened here. Now I have to choose to respond, right? Push pause, choose to respond. And I think in, in, in the, you know, the one book uh, above the line uh, that uh, Urban Meyer uh, co-authored, there's a uh, the first choice when something happens is there. He calls it the R factor, and one is kind of like response number one is press pause. Response number two is get your mind right, and I think for me, get your mind right means, dear Lord Jesus, I'm in this situation right now. I feel like I'm out of control. Slow me down, help me to think clearly and deeply and systemically about what I do next. May the Holy Spirit enter into my mind and my body and help guide me to making the best choice next, right? So that's that kind of like, that's where the prayer enters in, I think, in that that whole process.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, we got to move on, but, uh, speech is definitely a, like a baby, a baby step way to start. Uh, I got to a certain point, like I used to cuss really, really bad. And I got to a certain point where I was just kind of done with it. And I decided to start doing 10 push push-ups every time I would cuss. And that's <laughs> how I, that's how I ended up beating cussing. You know what I mean? And it's it's creeping back into my life now. So I've had to start doing more push-ups. but I mean, it's not bad, but, uh, that's just one actionable way that I used to start tackling some some portion of proactivity in my life. Mm-hmm. Started being proactive, right? But yeah, our words yeah, define us for sure. And I'd also add, you know,
1: like I said, it was it's great to know that you guys also, and that's Saint Peter say that, you know, that your brothers throughout the world are struggling with the same same things. We're not unique in that way. We all kind of struggle with a lot of the similar things but to hear about you know struggling with temptations struggling with intrusive thoughts tr- struggling with negative thoughts that i'm in good company with you guys but we're all in good company with the saints because if you read a lot of those lives of the saints they did the exact same thing and i can't count how many times i've been at mass and had just ridiculous thoughts enter into my head at the most inopportune time and you're like where did this come from get away from me you know and i think it was saint therese of Lisieux. you know spent like a whole mass struggling with these thoughts and, you know, kind Mm. of apologized to God and kind of interior locution of, I find great, you know, I find great love in your struggle, you know, just the fact that you took that whole time to struggle is an act of love, you know, not, Mm. not giving into it, not despairing, but just
2: continually fighting it. So we're in good company with the saints. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always, I mean, like a lot of the time for me now, I mean, like sometimes it is like crazy, like gnarly, intrusive thoughts. And I'm like, I wouldn't even say that out loud. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then sometimes it's like stupid stuff. Like today for me, it was yard sales all day long. It was like I saw a sign for a yard sale this morning and I went to it. And then it was like, I got to find as many yard sales as I can. <laughs> and no matter what I thought about, like I was trying to pray, whatever. I just that would not leave me alone all day. But anyway, we're moving on now. <laughs> we're done with. <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: so, so maybe that's a good good segue into this idea. Is like, uh, so this idea of the the uh, the yard sale, this insane yard sale. It's like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna have a nightmare tonight, Pete. You're gonna wake up and you're just gonna be in this <laughs> infinite yard sale with all these all these. Old lady selling all these trinkets and you can't get the out, trinkets. right? <laughs> stuck in there. There's no, <laughs> no way you're ever gonna get out of there. Maybe that's stupid. your purgatory. Hate, yeah, it's all So stuff the question
1: becomes
0: is that in your area? Is that in your circle of influence, or is it in your circle of concern? And tell me, tell me about that. Tell you I'm gonna let you you and James can speak about the circle of influence and the circle of concern and what that what's Covey talking about when he's thinking about that and where's the yard sale anyway what's that you're feeling about the yard sale? Where is the
2: I'll answer first um the yard sale it's in both for me a little bit the circle of influence and concern because there's things I could have done to be proactive to prevent those and and uh reframe and replace that but um so. What John is talking about with the circle of influence and circle of control. There is, is there a slide? There it is. So the circle of influence um, is on the inside. That's where we live. That's us in the middle. And that's our speech, our words, um, our actions, the things that we can directly change. Like if I wake up today and brush my teeth, that's in my circle of influence. What is not in my circle? Or what I guess what's in my circle of concern is if the people that I encounter brush their teeth, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like, all right, dude. So what do I (laughs) so I can control things in both of these circles um, to an extent in the circle of concern, but very much less like control in the uh, circle of concern. So what I can do in the circle of influence is I brush my own teeth. What I can do for the circle of concern is I can carry gum with me, and <laughs> just note right now if someone offers you gum, you just take it, <laughs> dude. Ten out of ten, taking the gum.
0: Well, that's interesting. You, you're thinking about brushing your teeth and then doing push-ups, right? So being being on a wilderness outreach that we were on last year together, uh, there was a, there was one of our brothers there that he uh, couldn't quite. <laughs> Bring himself to to not use the the Lord's name in vain, and I don't mean in a bad way, right? I thought but you he, were
2: about to say brush his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I missed that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a brother there that we thought, but he needs to brush his teeth more, right? But uh, but anyway, the the brother who was using the Lord's name in vain, and again, it wasn't he he wasn't using using it in a really bad way, but just you know, like O M G, right? everybody knows what omg means but that's using the lord's name in vain whenever we just kind of casually use the the title god or jesus right in a very casual just kind of flippant way that's using the lord's name in vain and so what we were doing when this brother would do that we were jumping down doing 10 or 20 push-ups And so in a way, right, we were trying to, we were trying to move our circle of influence by doing pushups to get his attention, right, to say, that's all right, brother, I got you covered there. So he would use the word, the Lord's name in vain, one of us, or all of us would jump down around the campfire and start doing pushups and uh so I think it had some kind of effect on him, though I haven't been around him enough to to know you know how he thought about that, but I thought that was a good way of here our circle of influence was that you know I'd like to go up to him and say, "Listen, dude, stop doing that right but understanding well, that just might that might push him away or not be helpful right so but by us doing push-ups, we were gonna like, I'll 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 bear that cross for you, brother. I'll do ten for you. And he's also that- in
2: the nine percent, the nine percent of people in the world that are over seventy, just like you, John.
0: What What about being <laughs> over seventy?
2: <laughs> that guy, he's also in the nine percent.
0: So what? And the point is. <laughs> there,
2: there is that. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that that was now.
0: <laughs> but uh, so so, yeah, interesting uh, so so I'm trying to think, uh, Jim, if you look at the circle of influence and the circle of concern, what it, what what is it you have on each one? Give an example of each one of those in your life.
1: Yeah, sure. I was just thinking of, of of this as we're having this conversation. It, it kind of ties everything together nicely. The the language that we're talking about, as well as mm. you know, the circle of influence, is just a natural next thing. And it made me think of you know, especially when Pete said earlier that he you know had a had a potty mouth. Um, I did too. I mean, I worked construction. That's just mm. a given. That's what you. That's how you behave. That's who you know. That's I mean, it's kind of stereotypical, but it's also reality. And so uh, when I was working construction at that time, I had had my conversion back to the church. And so I decided that I did not want to use that language anymore. And so I stopped, stopped doing that. Just, you know, cold turkey. (laughs) Went without using all those kinds of words and stuff. And my coworkers noticed. And so they were like, you know, why, you know, why don't you do that anymore? And I told them, you know, I just, I think that's disrespectful. It's, you know, you need, need a bigger vocabulary or whatever I told them. And so that kind of changed the way they looked at things. And so whenever I was around, they also tempered their language, you know, kind of cut back and, you know, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. So I think just, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to be like in your face and say, hey, you know, don't say those things in front of me. They just knew that you know something was different and so they respected that and that's to me that's kind of a subtle uh way that you can expand your circle of influence is just the way you behave and the way you speak um i mean that's definitely a concrete example i can remember from from my life as far as, as as far as circle of influence but it also makes me think of like today it's just so prevalent the this circle of concern and i love that the circle of concern that you have pictured here for those who aren't watching on the video but listening that it's a red circle of influence and the circle of concern is all blue and the blue that it reminds me of (laughs) is facebook is that facebook color of blue and Mm. to me facebook is is a giant web page of a circle of concern that Nobody has any influence on a lot of things, but everybody likes to get all up in arms and get bent out of shape about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's just not healthy. I mean, like Pete said, I can brush my teeth, right? I can, I can do these things. I can do these little things, and I can help influence my children. I can help influence my coworkers by the way I act, by the way I hold myself. But I can't do anything about you know some of the stuff that's way out there you know, it makes me think of like, you know, we have a lot of school shootings and mass shootings and things like that. I can't stop those. In reality, I can't. But what I can do is I can reach out to my neighbor. I can reach out to a person who I think is down and having some trouble. I can influence them that way. Right. And and I would suggest if anyone has the time is to go onto YouTube and uh, search for this gentleman's name is, um, Aaron Stark, and the title I think of the title of his talk is uh, "I was, I was going to be a mass shooter or something like that," and and he talks. It's just a seven minute talk where he's talking about how he you know grew up just a terrible family situation, addicted parents, abusive parents, just bad neighborhoods, all these every excuse you could think of for being just a terrible person, and how he went to a really dark place and lived there for a long time and made up his mind to, to take it out on the world. But it was somebody, a friend of his who loved him, even though he had stolen from this friend, he had destroyed his property. What the friend did is said, Hey, you want to come watch a movie? Hey, you want to hang out with my family? Hey, you want it? It wasn't a program. It wasn't a, a government sponsored rehabilitation thing. It was just loving somebody. And I think that's where our circle of influence, we need to remember that. That's where we can make a difference is just loving people, reaching out to them, treating them like human beings. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're really talking about. But, um, no, I, I think it's got a lot to do yeah, with it. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah but, I mean, that's our circle of influence. It makes me think of Chesterton, too. Like They asked him what's wrong with the world, and he said, I am right there's right. we got to take that responsibility that we are we have a huge influence whether we know it or not mm-hmm. just by the way we we behave and by the things that we do mm. and we waste time that we could be reaching out to our brothers and sisters by worrying about this circle of concern that we can't do anything about
2: mm. yeah but that like you were saying like that also increases your circle of influence when you start reaching out and honestly um what you just said at the end of that like we don't reach out enough to the people that we're pretty much you know very close to we have these phones and these means of communication and all this stuff where we can i can call somebody i mean like you guys are far away from me and we're we're doing this right now you know but like I have eight brothers and sisters and like for a long time, I mean, years, I, I didn't care to talk to any of them or check on any of them. God forbid if something would have happened, you know what I mean? How I would have regretted that. But now that I have, I've had those thoughts and I'm proactive about how I live my life in general, that is something I, I take action in and increase my circle of influence with them and, and, uh, you know, make sure how check on them. You know, I linked that video too, and all the comments for uh, mm. it's it's titled to TEDx Talk." It's titled "I Was mm-hmm. Almost a School Shooter." Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's like yeah.
1: seven minutes. It's it's worth the listen. This guy, yeah, And it really and kind and of hits home. Not long, but especially with everyone big. talking about it, needs to be gun control and all that kind of stuff. If you look at the research, it, we need people to reach out to other people on a human level and and be friends. That's that's what's gonna stop this stuff.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's those people that say that gun control is gonna own it or end it or whatever, like look at Chicago. That's all I I have to say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And that's what and that's what he says in his talk is that it wasn't like he went to a store and bought this gun he did go and get a gun, but he got it from somebody on the street. Yeah. I mean, I have a color, somebody who had dealt drugs to his parents and said, do you have a gun I can get? And he said, yeah, if you can go get me some more drugs, I'll give you this gun. And that's what he did. So, I mean, it, it's about loving people and bringing them to the truth, you know? Crazy.
2: Yeah. What about you, John?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's just profound thinking about the.
2: I was you know without
0: being too obtuse. I know Peter, you and I dealt with a uh, you know uh, an issue that you were struggling with with another individual right here a couple months ago, and it took oh, yeah. some thinking and some <laughs> pressing pause right to think about what's the right path forward. Yeah, and and, and we thought about it well cuz that was in my circle of it.
2: concern. There was this yeah, thing that was just right. in my circle of concern and I was like, okay, what this is, what can I do in this situation that's yeah. you know not going to destroy everything. So, I had a couple options. I could talk to one of my mentors. I could screw everything up really bad easily didn't need any help with that I'm good at that (laughs) I chose that that was probably not the right answer so I prayed about it too and I ended up taking it to John and then I'll let you take it from there but that was the way I took I was proactive in that situation
0: yeah why and I think there was good because there was there ended up being a team of three of us three men that we're close, to, we're close to one another. We trust one another. We have the same belief structure. We, we prayed about it, and the Lord led us to the right direction, right?
2: And yeah. That
0: was so key, and it was being open. And so we moved that, and even though you might say that, well, in some respects, that's not been completely resolved, but that's the way the world works, right? I mean, everything's a – God plays the long game, right? And yeah. you've got to be patient and not try to push the Holy spirit into doing what he's supposed to do when we want him to do it. Right. So, uh, and that's kind of work in that circle of influence and circle and concern, I guess kind of a story I would have about just being proactive that was early on in my life, just kind of, and then, uh, kind of close it out for my part of, of the proactivity is that I worked for a, uh, a company when I was, when I was in my, like when I was 27 years old, I took on the biggest job I'd ever had in the construction industry. It was a big complicated job. It was actually for the St. Michael's school and church in Worthington, Ohio, which goes back to the early 1980s. And, uh, I, I ended up, uh, taking this job on and it was a big complicated job, but it was just the right job for me at the right time. And the company I worked for after I did that job, I went to the, the guy that ran the company and uh, it was a fairly small company. I think that year that I worked with him, we may have done like $750,000 worth of revenue in that company that year and i said i'd like to move into the office and do project management and estimating and he thought about it he called me in he was not a man that was very good at mentoring but he really knew the construction industry he's really smart about it but he was a terror he was a terrible mentor in a way he didn't know he had really low people skills And he, but he he was, he, I think he saw something in me, which was really good. And it was one of the works that the Lord was doing in my life at the time. But he said, okay, I want you to come in here and you're going to join me in the office. And we're going to go, we're going to go get some work. Right. And he said, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm a terrible teacher. And I said, that's all right, man, because I'm a good student. And I just took that. Proactive. Yeah, you know, I don't care what it is, dude. You got stuff. I'm gonna learn what it That's is. That's awesome. And I'm not gonna allow your inability to like treat me like a human being or whatever that looked like. It didn't make any difference. I'm gonna get what you got. And together, the two of us, we built that company into one that within 10 years we were we were doing like 25 million dollars a year in business. Mm. And it was just a fantastic. You, what a great, you know, I've just blessed the Lord for all that experience that I got with that. And it was just that proactivity of saying, no, I don't care. You know, and, and Covey talks about that, about having a really bad boss. Well, go for what the boss needs, right? Get over yourself, man, and get to work, you know, learn, right. get and do it. So that's, that's really it. Uh, to me, that's what proactivity is all about, getting busy getting to work and, uh, not getting upset about small stuff.
1: Yeah. And you increased your circle of influence by doing that immensely. You know, you were proactive, you took charge and learned what you needed to learn. Yeah. And then were, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. You got more responsibility for that. So you yeah. I, that wonder, circle. Absolutely. I wonder
2: if that, uh, that guy had ever heard that before. I don't care. I'm going to learn. <laughs>
0: I, I don't know you know i mean he was uh you know we had lots of arguments and they were good arguments so you know uh, maybe we'll talk about the disc profile but he he was a high d type guy and i got a lot of high d in me too right so thing about high d guys you can like smack into each other and like don't take it personal right so what's that stand there for good, There are some good temperament type things there that we lined up and we could just say that say the the tough things to each other and not take it personal. Right. So that was a good thing. Yeah.
2: What does the D stand for John dominance for the listeners? Yeah. So you guys are yeah, high dominance. in a dominance personality yeah. trait.
0: We'll talk about that dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness and
2: politeness.
0: Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get, we'll get into to, to, yeah, we'll Probably veer off into, uh, into jordan peterson's five major aspects right five hey, big aspects that we we'll
2: get there. through this one day speaking of which we're sneaking up on an hour right now um, yeah we are um, aren't we yeah i'm good to keep rolling with this or we can do a part two on habit one because we still have a, a little bit left to talk about on on this habit it's uh that's up to you though john i don't know if you see uh me and jim chatting back and forth here talking about that but we're both good to continue on if you are
0: yeah, I'm I'm kind of um so Jim, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe we'll kind of wrap up with the idea of where do we find this in scripture and tradition and
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. And that's you know yeah. we had, we had mentioned that last week that that's a, a big part of these these habits is that we can find these in our faith that it's not just a a business thing but it's really helps us grow in our faith, actually, I think. Um, so one of the things that we, we had kind of our homework for each of us was to kind of look at where do we find these habits in, in our faith and, you know, in Scripture, tradition, other things like that. Um, I I always go to the readings for the day because I'm going to find a habit in there. And today I, I think I found, you know, proactivity, being proactive, and that was Jesus who's who personifies, I guess, so to speak, all seven of these habits. But he was proactive. He sought out Peter. If he didn't read the gospel, the gospel is Jesus going to preach to the the crowds. Uh, There's not enough room. He gets in the boat with Peter, Peter and his brothers, and they've been out fishing all night. Um, They're cleaning their nets. They're ready to turn it in and go take a nap. And he says, you know, why don't you put out into the deep? And I'm like, I can only imagine Peter's like, are you serious? You know, I just, we did all this work, cleaning all these nets. We didn't catch anything. I'm in a bad mood. Now you want me to throw (laughs) out into the deep, but I'll do it. Right. He does it. But to me, Jesus is proactive in all this. He, he, he could have went anywhere, but he went and found Peter. You know, he could have, you know, just walked away, but he, you know, he found Peter. He encouraged him. He stuck with him, even when Peter was kind of resisting and, you know, giving excuses. Oh, we've been out all night. You know, can't you see we've cleaned our nets, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So Jesus is proactive and seeking out Peter, luckily for Peter, because it just, you know, changed his whole life. Right. And and Peter says, you know, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus just ignores that. And I say, that's the prayer that Jesus always ignores. Right. Mm -hmm. Depart mm-hmm. from me, Lord. Yep, I'm not going to do that. He's going to stick with you the whole, whole time. So definitely in today's readings, uh, we we find being proactive. You know, in, a, in the Catholic faith, we baptize infants. So we're proactive about getting them prepared for heaven. We already have that end in mind. That's another habit we'll talk about. But we're proactive in that respect. We're proactive in educating them, bringing them up in the faith. It's not just, uh, well, let's just raise the kid and see what they want to be. Right? We're proactive mm. in, in developing them and helping them. And, and this is a tough one. This this third one I have listed here for, I think a lot of people right now, especially in the Diocese of Columbus, is the real present, real future. This is a proactive uh, approach to the situation that is going on in our diocese. And that's the lack of priests. Um, you have parishes that have that are barely open. And so You know, for the past year, two years, probably is more realistic. They've been really examining this and not just waiting for things to happen, not just hoping that stuff changes, but they're really examining things and working on making changes for the better. So, you know, I see proactivity in a lot of different places in our faith from scripture all the way down to our diocese. Mm. How about you, John?
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's good because, yeah, we gotta, we gotta take charge of, you know, managing our diocese properly. And, uh, yeah. So I guess, I guess when I, when I think about the, uh, uh, I can't help but think about the parable of the the talents and where, where the Lord gives three men so many talents to see what they're going to do with them. Right. And the, so that what he really wants the men to do with the talents that he's given them is to multiply them, right? Turn them into something more. And that's really what he's hoping for. And that's at the essence of proactivity. So that the the the, the third servant who buries it because he doesn't want to lose it or he's afraid of what the the lord's going to do he's the one that the lord dismisses right he's like give me your talent i'll give it to the others who are going to turn and that's just like the essence of proactivity i think also the the, the parable of the prodigal son when the you know the son who leaves he finally he, he he spends his inheritance and he just he he hits bottom and he just he's like if if my father will just take me back, I'll be a servant. If I can just be a servant for him, I'll come back. And it's like, that's the essence of, you know, of, of being contrite. And I think um, in our faith, that's the, that kind of going on to, I'll just roll that into the idea of what's the sacrament that really resonates with proactivity. And I would say it's the sacrament of confession. You know, to just like look at myself, Lord, I am a broken, sinful man. And here, you know, I've done these things and I have to own it. Right. And that's that. So that's that's really where it speaks to me, you know, in in the gospel, say, or in the in the in our, yeah, the gospel and in our faith and then in our sacrament.
1: Yeah. That's interesting that you you chose. Uh, confession, as well as you talked about the, the prodigal son, and to me, it, as you were speaking, it made me think of, um, this this prodigal son had this change of heart, a change of thoughts, probably a change of language, you know. Just thinking, if I can even just be treated like a servant, I, you know, that's good for me. You know, he's just have so, this proactivity can also be that that part of you know, turning ourselves around, you know, repentance and that's proactivity prompted by grace um, to return to the father. So those are all good, good stuff there. Um, we also looked at uh, some of the virtues or the vices uh, that go along with this habit. I put that um, for me, it was temperance would be the, the virtue that goes along with being proactive And I had a quote from the catechism says the catechism, of the Catholic church tells us that temperance ensures the will's mastery over instincts and keeps desires within the limits that is honorable. Temperance I think is the virtue of pushing pause. So it's that ability, that virtue that helps us to, okay, say I'm going to stop with this piece of cake. I'm not going to have, you know, two more, three more, four more beers. You know, it's that virtue that is able to use God's gifts as the way that they were supposed to be used. And so then the, the opposite would be gluttony. You know, that would just be reactive. Oh, there's there's this on the computer. I'm going to look at it. Oh, there's this in the cupboard. I'm going to eat it. It's just no pause, no stopping to think about. it. just reacting, basic instinct, just going right after it. Mm. So I don't know if, if that's kind of what you had or if you had something different or... Were Let's see if we can draw something out of Peter there. Oh, he's still
0: he, here. He's got he's got deep stuff for us there. <laughs> I'm I wanna, sorry, I, I had to run.
2: Uh, we're just wrapping up. I'm sorry, I've I missed a lot of what you said, Jim. Um, So, what sacrament is that? What we're on? What sacrament? What, yeah, just kind of. Would you
1: most closely associate with this habit? This Proactivity
2: habit. in general. Yeah. Sorry, I was out of it, guys. Um, hmm. I think I think all the sacraments really, and keeping those at the forefront of our lives as a base and uh waking up in the morning and just, you know, like we were talking about at one point when with take with having a place to go with these things, you know, and maybe the intrusive thoughts and all the other things, but having a place to go in general and knowing where home base is is what i would link most closely with proactivity so like whether that's adoration confession um mass daily mass whatever it is um every sacrament goes right into it and uh you know waking up starting your day correctly with the father the son and the holy spirit is the the cornerstone of this habit, I think. Starting it and ending it. So uh Father Ty Thompson out by you, John, and maybe you too, Jim, um -hmm. he told me one time in confession actually, he was like, all the stuff in the middle doesn't matter as much as the bookends of your days. So like the beginning and the end. And uh what he told me is like just start, just start small with uh as soon as you open your eyes, make the sign of the cross. And then guess what? There's, it's impossible for anything else to have been the first thought and make that the last thing you do before you close your eyes at night. And then, you know, and that's where I started. And uh, it's definitely grown. I mean, that's not where it, that wasn't ground zero, obviously. I've been Catholic my whole life and I've been on this journey, but that was a big, I, I won't ever forget that. I've, I still do that every day. Yeah, that's great.
1: Father Thompson is our. Our pastor. Yeah, he's awesome. A lot of wisdom. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should probably start a wrap up here. So we got a few things to talk about in our wrapping things up, unless you had something else to, to add to that, John. Okay. Yeah, no, I think I think I think we've
0: we've kind of hashed it out a bit about the first habit. And uh, uh so next week we're gonna move on to habit number two, which is begin with the end in mind. So we're gonna we're gonna go after that and talk about the whole idea of vision of the first creation and how the first creation leads to the final creation, right? So that'll be a really good thing. Um, we're gonna be doing a father and son discernment camp out at Tar Hollow on Friday, December twenty or September twenty third through Sunday, September twenty fifth. It's going to be uh, for fathers and sons, uh, sons ages 7 through uh, 12th grade, and just come out there with Father Hahn and, and a couple of the Wilderness Outreach men, and and I'll be giving some talks with the fathers about fatherhood and uh, mentorship and uh, manhood, and Father Hahn will be talking to the young men about uh, uh, being a priest and bring being a, a father as a priest. And uh, so it'll be a good, great weekend. We'll do a little trail work, do a little hiking, have some campfires, and it'll be a great time.
2: What's the dates for that again, John?
0: That's uh, uh, September 23rd, Friday, September 23rd through Sunday, September 25th. And we'll probably celebrate the Vigil Mass on the evening of September 25th, I'm guessing and so yeah that'd be good to have uh jim you show up and pete and uh if you uh if you want to come and help support and take care of business out there it'll be good we're going to be at the dogwood shelter house in tar hollow state forest
1: i'll be there Um, and they can get all that information on the wilderness outreach website right under treks i think
0: Yep. If you visit the wildernessoutreach.net website, uh, a couple things to think about there. If you're looking for camping gear, hiking gear, hiking boots, anything that you need for the outdoor, if you go to the resource page, you can. You'll end up going to Amazon, and uh, it's part of if you buy your outdoor gear through Amazon on that page through Wilderness Outreach. Wilderness Outreach gets a little tithing with that. And uh, if you're looking for an inspiring story on the Facebook page or on the um, Wilderness Outreach page, you can go to uh, the Field Notes page. There's quite a few stories in there of, of through the years of the things that the men have done. And then also all the man casts are listed on the Wilderness Outreach page and you'll see that up at the top of each page you'll see the man cast so you can catch all the man casts we've been doing and then what we'd like you to do besides one thing is go to go to uh, youtube and hit the subscribe button right so get so we can pick up our subscriptions and then if you like the work that we do and you would like to help with a small donation of any sort go to the wilderness outreach page and hit the donate button So, and this will help us to help get men out into the back country and where we talk about the meaning of manhood and being a provider and a protector and being the men that God made us to to be and to do the work that he's calling us to do.
1: Nice. Great. All right. Awesome. Good stuff. Good
0: stuff. So, Peter, would you like to close us out with a prayer tonight?
2: I would love to. Um, All right. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. uh, Teach us how to pray. Help us always learn. Thank you for this time we got to share together. Please bless everybody that got to partake in this conversation tonight. Bless John, and bless Jim, and bless all of our families. Um, Keep us safe and bless the uh, the mission of Wilderness Outreach. Help it prosper. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: See you next week, brothers. Next week, habit
2: number two. Good stuff.
0: All right. God bless y'all.
2: Thanks, John. You too. See you, Jim. Thanks for listening. We'll see.